on the virtual Bible study tonight, we're going to talk about some of the differences that exist between churches of Christ. And in any given community where there are maybe multiple congregations of churches of Christ, you'll see some that are quite a bit different than others. And we want to talk about what some of those differences are in, a, I think, an important study tonight on the virtual Bible study. We want to encourage you to stand by, stay with us as we begin the virtual Bible study tonight. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for june the 2nd 2022 thanks for being with us online as we engage in a study of god's word my name is greg gwynn joining me tonight on the virtual bible study josh mccord josh welcome greg good to be here and behind the board, control board, as usual, our good buddy, Kyle Barnes. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. We're going to talk about something tonight that we think is really important, and you can participate in this discussion. We want to make sure you know how to get involved. Uh, we have a, an open phone line, 931-381-4567. You might notice that we've done away with our 877 number because we didn't think anybody needed it anymore. So you have to use our Area code for this part of Middle Tennessee, 931-931-381-4567 is the number to call. You can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Josh will be watching the email inbox if you want to send an email. And we also have, and maybe the best way to get involved is in our online chat room. As you're watching the virtual Bible study just to the right of your video screen, you should see a chat room window and you can get in there. Give yourself an idea, an idea. I'm not saying that. Give yourself an ID. Of some sort, and uh, so we can kind of keep track of who's speaking. You can use your real name or you make up a pen name if you like, and uh, you can comment there, and we'll, we'll be watching the comments in the chat room as we go along, too. Thanks for being with us on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. So to our update list earlier today, we sent out the update suggesting that we wanted to talk about differences that exist between churches of Christ. Some of the differences... Uh, that we want to discuss are, for instance, first, providing social and recreational activities for members, especially young people. This would include providing for common meals, building fellowship halls and gymnasiums, outings to the amusement parks, hosting camps, trips for seniors, and so forth. What about that sort of thing? Now, some churches of Christ do and others don't. And that's what we're talking about, Josh, when we talk about differences. Right. Uh, now we're gonna we're gonna expand on that, and we'll, we'll talk about some other areas. But what we're saying is that there are differences between Church of Christ and and Josh. You and I were talking before we went on the air. We want to make it clear that when we discuss these things, we are not discussing the official Church of Christ party line. We speak for no one other than ourselves. Right. Uh, we are members of the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee, and we're describing what we do and why we do it the way that we do. We don't speak for any other congregation or any other group of congregations when we do this. Right. Well, one of the things that we may bring out as we go through the study is that each local congregation is autonomous you know, we don't we don't answer for what the as you said, what other churches do, and other churches don't answer for what we do. We're responsible here uh, to make sure we're doing things right, and and that really I think makes us different from a lot of religious groups because a lot of a lot of religious groups would feel a burden to defend what their denominational right. headquarters. Yeah, what's the Baptist teach? position on this question yeah, or, or yeah. whatever? And so we we're, we're just we're just simply Christians trying to. Serve and worship uh, in a local congregation like what you read about in your New Testament. Uh, that's our goal. That's what we're striving for. Uh, and we just and so we're not. We're again just to emphasize we're not 
trying to describe or explain or defend a Church of Christ party line uh, as we as we get into these things. But let's talk about this first area where there is some differences, uh, Josh. Uh, I think it's well understood that some churches of Christ do the kind of things we just mentioned. And they provide for the social and recreational interest of their members. Usually there's a particular concern for young people, keeping the young people occupied. But in order to accomplish these things, big fellowship halls with full-blown kitchens and dining facilities are erected by some churches of Christ. Some uh, uh, have, have built gymnasiums. Often they refer to them as family life centers. People can come there and they can get together there and have fun, play ball and 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 do other things. Uh, uh, take the take the take the teenagers to uh, Six Flags. You know, we'll 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 we'll, 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 even, we'll even have a church bus to make it possible to do that sort of thing. Some churches of Christ do that. Uh, some churches of Christ sponsor camps. You know, it's summertime. It's it's going to camp time, and so churches will will organize uh, and even financially support a, a, a Bible camp, as they would refer to that. Um, and then don't leave us old people out, okay, please? Uh, some churches are going to use that church bus and and take the seniors on a trip somewhere, you know, all of that sort of thing. Churches of Christ are doing that. Now, I want to tell you, and I, I suspect that most of the people who are listening tonight would understand that what we just described does not happen here at College View. Now, why? Why is that? So why is this? so? What we've defined here is a difference. Some churches of Christ do those things; others, like us, do not do those kind of things. Why? Why is there that difference? What's going on? What do you think, yeah. Josh? Well, I mean, I think I think a lot of um, churches that do these kind of things would probably, you know, and I don't want to speak for them, but I would I would think that probably the idea is, well, we're just um, maybe just too old school in our approach, and you know we, we haven't caught up with the times, and maybe we just aren't appreciating, uh, you know, the the good that can come from doing these type of things. But that's not that's not our reasoning at all. It's not that we don't like and, having and, fun and, or. Yeah, I think that's really important. It's not a matter of personal preference. We like yeah. to play ball. Sure. We definitely like to eat. Absolutely. You know, I enjoy going to the amusement park. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those kinds of things that we just mentioned. <laughs> Those are, it's not that we don't like that, and it's not that we don't on our own do those kind of things. It's a question of whether or not we believe the church is yeah. authorized to be yeah, in that business. You said the key on our own, yeah. individually, and then collectively are two yeah. different things. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the places that we go to, to show this distinction, I, uh, I think scripturally we see it very plainly in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, we know the church at Corinth had a whole host of problems. And when Paul was addressing the church at Corinth in chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says uh, uh, in verse 20, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, contextually, you have to understand he's saying it ought to be, but in your case, it's not. You're not coming together just to observe the Lord's Supper. Instead, he says, verse 21, for in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. One is hungry as another, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. And then skipping down to the end of chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, he says in verse 34, If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. I think clearly there, the apostle Paul has shown there, there's two realms. There, there, there's a, the realm of the home and the responsibilities of the home, and then there's what the church is authorized to do, and they're not the same thing. And so, sure, we're going to eat. Do that at home. So we want to have a, a, a basketball game. Do that at home. We, we, we want to have a party for the young people. Do that at home. The church is not authorized to act in those realms, and we've got to keep that, those, those realms of distinction. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think lines have been blurred, individual and in, in the church, and and I've had people argue uh, with me about well, the church can do anything an individual can do. 
and and that's just not so. And an individual can't, and, and the other way works as well. Yeah. I, mean, I can't do things that the church is authorized to do sometimes. You and know, that so. and that's been a, a a debate point through through the last many decades. When and and sadly these these issues are not being debated much anymore because we talked about differences between churches of Christ and the different churches of Christ have pretty much gone their own ways to the point that there's not a lot of interaction between the churches who do this sort of thing right. and the churches that don't. But when it, when there was still uh, a debatable uh, subject, when people were willing to debate it, one of the debate arguments was that the individual can do anything the church can do, and that's just not so. And, and and common sense should tell us so. You know, I I can I can start a hot dog stand and make money, and make a profit selling hot dogs. The church can't do that. And so, I mean, and, and you can multiply examples of that sort, but it is simply not true that that the church can do anything the individual right. can do. Well, when I think about this uh, fellowship hall question and eating in the building, I can verse twenty two there. You can almost just picture Paul saying. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Yeah. The church isn't uh, meant to be a, a social club, a recreation center. Uh, the church is supposed to provide for uh, spiritual food first uh, by edifying those that are that are Christians, teaching the lost to teach them what they need to do in order to be saved, and then of a physical perspective to help needy saints. And we'll talk about that some too. Uh, but... That's what the church's work is. It's not to provide fun and entertainment for for young or old or or in between. You know, I've also heard it argued that if we don't do some of this stuff for especially for the young people, then we're going to lose them. We're going to we're going to lose our young people if we don't if we don't have ball teams and if we don't have a youth ministry and trips to the amusement park, we're going to lose our young people. Well, I actually think that that's a, a sad, serious indictment of God's plan. Uh, what's supposed to draw people, including our young people, is the power of the gospel. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, is the gospel power, powerful enough to draw and keep people, or is it not? Or, or do we have to devise a scheme to to keep the young people beyond what God provided for? Could you imagine the Apostle Paul or Timothy? You know, Tim, So Timothy, here's Paul, he's the older preacher. Timothy's, you know, Timothy, he's going to take on the role of the youth minister. Timothy is actually going to organize a youth softball league for the church at Ephesus. Come on, nobody yeah. believes that. No. No, no, and, and so what has changed? Right. Well, I was looking in First Timothy 5 and verse 16. So on the question of can an individual do anything a church can do and vice versa, Paul told Timothy, if any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them and let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. And so Paul uh, told just, just to show that there's a separation, Paul told Timothy, if you've got some family members that are widows, you take care of them so the church won't be charged. As an individual, you care for them. Don't put that burden on the church. And so there's a – but there are maybe a cases where there's widows who don't have any family members, and the church may have to step in and, and, re, and help them and relieve some of their burden. But that's a distinction between individual and collective, and I think it's important to make sure we, we are doing that. I think you're exactly right. Very good point to bring out. All right, so there's one area of distinction and difference. As we said – we know, and in our immediate uh, Middle Tennessee area, there's plenty of churches of Christ who do that sort of thing that we've just been describing. And then there are some like us who do not. And right. so there's a, there's quite a divide there. And so we we just want to acknowledge that that divide exists and explain why we are doing what we're doing. Right. We got a question in the chat room. Uh, Eric Hickson says, "Are the congregations that do such still the Lord's church?" Um, I think that's a good question to ask, uh, and I'm not sure that we are the ones who ultimately make that decision. Right. You know, uh, I would probably refer to, and I, I think Eric is great to ask that question, but I think I would refer to Revelations chapters 2 and 3. Five of those seven churches had big problems. 
there were only two that did not get any any condemnation. Five out of the seven, there were things that the uh, there were two that the the Lord only spoke negatively toward. Uh, there were three that had both good and bad. But when would the Lord remove their candlestick? You know, He said, "Repent, or else, you know, I'll come quickly and uh, remove thy candlestick." So at some point, the Lord makes that distinction. I don't right. know whether we have, uh, you know, we're we, we're not in the position to do so. But all we can do is say we want to follow the New Testament pattern as carefully as we can. Right. Dwight Michelle said, I don't believe they are until they change and repent. It's just along the lines of what you just said there. Yeah, well, and, and that was the message to the churches in, yeah. in uh, Asia there in Revelation 2 and 3. You need to repent. Yeah. And so these churches, I think the, if a church is engaged in, in unauthorized activity, then it certainly calls for repentance. Now, how the Lord views them at, at a given point in time and whether he, how long he'll give them in his long-suffering nature, how long he'll suffer along with them toward repentance, uh, obviously that's his end of the stick. We don't need to be whittling on right. it. But it, it is a question. It is a worthy question. Yeah. Well, I was going to say just in my experience talking with uh, uh, members of churches that do these sorts of things, it's it's almost uh, odd how so we we can be on the same page about the plan of salvation. Uh, and maybe even how we ought to worship. And then when you get to questions like this, the, the some of some of the people that I know that I consider to be to be friends, but do go to churches that do these things, it's kind of like they've never even questioned it. I mean, we've just always done that. I mean, what what could be wrong with that? Because it hasn't been talked about. It hasn't been it hasn't been discussed. But I tell you what, this thing is progressive, and we probably can talk about this more as the program goes on. But this progresses, and churches are doing things. In, in these realms today that wouldn't have even been imagined 25 or right. 30 years ago. Right. And so you open that door and then, and then it, it, it keeps expanding. The, the, these sort of activities continue to expand. Right. All right. We're going to grab a break. When we get back from this break, we want to talk about, uh, organ, so maybe brotherhood wide organized efforts to do evangelism, for instance. We'll talk about that when we come back from this break. Stay with us on the virtual Bible study. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Here's a quick thought. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 27, verse 4. Do you seek an eternal dwelling with the Lord? The psalmist wanted to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire of him. Jesus has made that possible. Seek after him. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. It's so hard when I have to and so easy when I want to. Heed the advice of him who loves you, though you like it not at present. Everyone who got where he is had to begin where he was. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the virtual Bible study, talking about differences between churches of Christ. We had a question in the chat room. Brian asked, how did he word that? Uh, he said, was it a common meal that was corrupting the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11 that we were referencing? I think it must have been because in uh, well, they were probably combining and blending the two at least because in verse 20 there, 1 Corinthians 11, he says, when you come together into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. It should have been, but it wasn't. So it wasn't just an exclusively uh, the Lord's Supper. They were, they were, they were adding common food and drink to the Lord's Supper, it appears to me. Yeah, I agree. All right. So let's look at another area where there is a, a difference between churches of Christ. This is the way we put it in our update list. By the way, if you're not getting our weekly update, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, put me on a list and we'll do it. So about midday on Thursday, you'll you'll get a heads up about what we're going to be discussing. Uh, oh, by the way, before I do that, before I go to before we go to that second question, uh, Josh, I need to get what a couple email responses that we got. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to mess up and 
uh, forego these emailers who've commented. So uh, what about these social and recreational activities? Uh, Grant in Franklin, Tennessee says, uh, those who do these sort of things do not understand what the work of the church is as defined in the New Testament. It's limited to evangelism, edification, and a limited sense of benevolence. Uh, and he gives several scripture references. I won't take time to mention those. He says, if the Lord's money is being used for the activity or if the elders have oversight over it, then it must be an authorized activity as defined in these verses. I think you're right about that, Grant. Well said. Uh, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia says, the basic difference in views regarding inner Entertainment and social activities exist because some local churches do not have a correct understanding of the distinction between individual action and local church action. Just because an activity may not, uh, just because an activity may be morally acceptable that the individual Christian may accomplish, does not authorize local church action. And you were just talking about that, Josh. The difference between uh, the individual and the church. And then Dwight in Iowa says, in terms of liberal and conservative churches of Christ, the liberal churches are more apt to provide these recreational services. What's important to note is that the scriptures say nothing to my knowledge of liberal and conservative churches. But in the book of Revelation, there are examples of some churches that have wandered from the truth and have been called to repent. The liberal churches of Christ that have wandered from the truth and that are providing these unscriptural practices need to repent. The work of the church is not to provide any source of recreation to anyone. Uh, to do so goes beyond the written word of God. What we call conservative churches would not be involved in such practices. They would be like the church in Philadelphia, Revelation 3, verse 7. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you to our emailers. Let's quickly go to this second point of difference. So th- what about organizing and participating financially in arrangements where one church takes on a project which is beyond its means and then solicits contributions from other churches. This is often referred to as the sponsoring church arrangement. We've talked about this, uh, Josh, uh, in the past on the virtual Bible study. I think that probably in our archives, one whole program entitled What's Wrong with the Sponsoring Church Arrangement. So if you have any questions about what that is, uh, go there and, and just multiple examples exist for this. Uh, uh, for instance, when I was preaching in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, there was a, the, 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 one of the most recent world's fair was held in Knoxville, Tennessee. And one of the churches there in Knoxville decided that they would organize a, a booth at the world's fair in Knoxville and disseminate religious ma- information and materials and so forth, which in and of itself is a good thing, you know, get the word out. But it was it was going to cost more than they were able to afford, and so this this church was the Laurel Church of Christ in Knoxville, Tennessee. They solicited funds from other churches, and then the elders of the Laurel Church oversaw this World's Fair booth uh, program, uh, and so they undertook a work bigger than they could accomplish, and they got other churches to help finance that. And that's what is called, and there's just tons of examples of that, but that's what's called the sponsoring church arrangement. And so this this one church sponsors the work, their elders oversee it, but they can't finance it on their own. And so other churches send money to them so that they can do that work. Well, a lot of churches of Christ do that sort of thing. Uh, and again, I suspect that most of our listeners would understand that we here at College View, again, we're only speaking for College View when we're talking about all these issues, but we here at College View do not participate in that sort of an arrangement because we believe it's, again, not authorized. It's unscriptural. What the, the thing that makes it unscriptural, and Josh, earlier you, you used the expression autonomous. Local churches are autonomous, self-governing, independent. We're not, we're not tied together by any hierarchy of organizational structure and that's for a reason uh, in first peter chapter 5 peter speaking to elders said feed the flock of god which is among you taking the oversight thereof and so elders are limited local church elders are limited to overseeing the congregation of which they are members they, their authority to oversee anything does not extend beyond the work of that local congregation. And so f- when elders assume an oversight of a, of a work bigger than their local congregation allows, 
they've they've gone beyond the bounds of scripture. Yeah, yeah. I think there's been a lot of problems caused uh, by seemingly good ideas. Uh, you know, these we can. This is a good work, and if we pull together like this and and do these things, we can get a lot of good accomplished. And that, I think that's the thinking. I think people have good intentions. I mean, you know, given the benefit of the doubt that their intentions are good. But if it's a good work, the Bible's going to spell it out for us. If it was a good work in the New Testament, then the churches we'd read about in the New Testament would be sending money to the church at Philippi, and then the church at Philippi would have been overseeing all this money from all the different... But you don't read about anything like that. Yeah, it's not in the New Testament. Exactly not in the New Testament. Uh, Grant in Franklin says, This is a violation of 1 Peter 5, verse 2, which states that elders are to shepherd the flock of God among you. The elders of a local congregation are to shepherd the Christians in the local con- congregation uh, that they belong to. They have no authority to go beyond that responsibility. That would include overseeing the funds of another congregation and doing the work of the church. Uh, Kent says the New Testament authorizes the local church to act only as an independent autonomous assembly of Christians. This necessitates that all work and oversight must be limited to the local church. Centralized collective works of local churches overseen by a single eldership destroys the aspect of independence and local autonomy of local churches. Such an arrangement results in a general eldership overseeing the work of a plurality of churches, which is not authorized in the New Testament. I think, Kent, I, I, Kent, I couldn't have said it any better. That's just exactly right. But, you know, if, if you think about it, and I don't think people, people who are involved in these kind of activities would not agree. But what I see in that is the first step toward a, a denominational hierarchy of organization. How, do, how did... How did there get to be a pope in Rome? Well, it didn't happen uh, immediately. What happened was that in local regions, one eldership became dominant and began to exercise authority over the smaller churches in the area. And that and that kept mushrooming until you built this hierarchy of church organization that we know as the Roman Catholic Church today. When we allow anything that goes beyond the, the the work and order of an independent local congregation. We, we've violated Scripture, and we're heading down that road. Sure. Denominations, that's what they do. They have districts and superintendents over districts and all these different things, and they make decisions at the top and pass down what we're going to do to the bottom, and, and that's, we don't read about that. That's, that's not in the Bible. Right. Uh, um, Dwight in Iowa says, one thing we need to understand is that each local church is autonomous. That is, they deal with their own needs. The church that goes above its means and solicits funds from other church has no authority in the scriptures to do this. The other thought, whether the church has elders or not, should not be going above and beyond their financial ability to become a burden to another congregation. This thought, of course, is different if a church is wanting to support a preacher. We do find authority for such practice. Uh, and, uh, so supporting a, a preacher is different than churches combining to do a work under right. uh, uh, under a single overseeing eldership. Um, oh, I had a thought there, uh, Josh, and it, just, it has left my mind. Uh, but again, is this important? Is, is this significant? You know, obviously... There, there are churches who are doing this sort of thing, and then there are churches like those of us here at College View. We are not doing those things. It's not, it's, as we said earlier, it's not a matter of personal preference. It's a matter of doing God's work yeah. in God's way. Yeah. Well, we want to do Bible things in Bible ways, and if they did it in the New Testament, then, yeah, we, we should do that. Yeah. But, but they didn't, yeah. and so we should not. Yeah, exactly right. You got anything in the chat room um, there? Yeah, Kevin Kelly says, that sounds good to me. He's got that in quotes. He's using our own man's judgment rather than looking for an example, command, or inference in God's word that he wants us to do. Yeah. Yeah. So if it was just up to us, and I think that's what's happened, and I think Kelly's on to, uh, uh, Kevin's on to something there. If it was just up to us, we would say, I think, I think we could yeah. be more efficient. I think we could, accom- I think we could accomplish a, a bigger thing. Well, if it's bigger than what we're able to do at the local congregational level, then we're not responsible for doing it. If if we can't do it the way God organized the church and its work, 
then he doesn't expect us to do it. You know, someone said, well, there's no way. There's no way, for instance, that we could put on a nationwide television and radio program like the Herald of Truth program. Right. Uh, back when I was a young preacher, the Herald of Truth was a big divisive thing because the, the church, a church in Abilene, Texas, was soliciting funds from churches all over the United States in order to put on the Herald of Truth radio and television program. Uh, but the argument was, well, no no single church can do this. The only way we're ever going to be able to get a national program on TV is if we organize in this way. You know what the answer that was? Then we have no business having a national TV program. If we can't do it at the local church level, then God doesn't want us to do it. And we're not held accountable for doing it. They were almost suggesting we'll be, we'll be held responsible if we don't get this TV program on the air. No, we won't be held responsible. If, if we can't do it in the authorized way that God has specified, then it's not expected of us. Right. Yeah, Kevin followed up and he said, this way of thinking means we believe we have some insight into spreading the gospel that God's wisdom was lacking. I think you're right, Kevin. I think you're exactly right. And that, and, and I'll tell you, we ought to be very, very hesitant to go there for sure all right well we're going to grab a break and do our our uh, bullet point for the week uh when we come back we're going to continue this discussion about differences between churches of christ you won't want to miss what we talk about next the discussion continues right after these important messages this is greg gwen with this week's bullet point those who run businesses and hire employees are always in search of the best people to work for them In fact, finding good people to fill crucial roles is one of the most difficult aspects of operating a successful enterprise. Typically, there are two different kinds of workers. Some are only looking to draw a paycheck. They quickly analyze the job situation, determine the bare minimum that is required, and then apply themselves to ensure that they do only enough to maintain the job and avoid being fired. The other type of employee really wants to do a good job. His goal is to please the employer and do everything possible to make the business succeed. This kind of person will even sacrifice his own personal interest at times in favor of the good of the company. Such employees as these are the cream of the crop, and they are the ones that every boss hopes to find. In any church, you can identify the same two types of workers. Unfortunately, there are those who want to find the minimum amount of work that is necessary. They want to be regarded as in good standing, but they really don't desire to do any more than is absolutely required. A common question of such folks is this. Where does the Bible say I have to? They apply this question to things like Sunday night worship or Wednesday night Bible class. During gospel meetings, you need not expect them to be present because they don't see where the Bible says they have to. Teach a Bible class, visit a sick person, invite a neighbor, encourage a weak member, show where the Bible says this is absolutely necessary and they might consider doing it. Otherwise, no way. The other type of worker is faithful in all things. In fact, this type of member is not interested in doing the minimum. Such folks want to do all they can to help in the important work of the church. Need a volunteer? Looking for assistance regardless of the job? Look to these people, for they constitute the working core of the congregation. They can be counted on in all situations, even when it involves sacrifice. Without them, the congregation would fail. God bless this sort of member. Which kind of worker are you? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study. We want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Uh, find out more about the College View Church by going to our website, collegeview.com. Always have to remind people that College View is spelled funny, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E. So College V-U-E, College View. And uh, you can find out a lot of information about us. At that uh, website, you'll find a link to our YouTube channel, Kyle, that's got sermons and Bible classes. Yeah, I think it's a ton of stuff you can add to your Bible study. I think you should not be lacking in your study. And we have a lot of materials you can just, there's some good studies going on. We're studying Galatians and the works of the flesh, which are also in Galatians. So we're, you're getting, you can get infused with Galatians if you uh, want to tune into the College View uh, live stream. Okay, so that YouTube channel is College View live stream. This YouTube channel that you're watching tonight is 
the virtual Bible study. So there's two different channels, and both of them got lots of information. But there's a lot of archived Bible study information on collegeview.com, and so we hope you'll take advantage of that. We just recently uh, went through a revamp of our website. We think it's more efficient now, and uh, so check it out, collegeview.com. All right, we're talking about differences between churches of Christ uh, and Sad, it's it's really a sad reality. I mean, we're not denying the reality that not all churches of Christ are the same. Just because it says Church of Christ over the door of the church building doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to find the same thing taking place there that you'll find someplace else. And that's unfortunate uh, because if we were all just carefully following the Word of God, we would... Of course, that'd be true the whole religious world. If the whole religious world were just carefully following the Word of God, we'd all be doing the same thing. We're not because there's differences in our approach to the scripture. Let's talk about another area. This has been a divisive area. Churches of Christ have really differed over the use of church funds to provide benevolent assistance to those in the world. So there's a lot of people in need in this world. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. We we do not deny it. We We absolutely understand that it is so. And as individual Christians, this is a point I want want to stress immediately. As individual Christians, we should do all that we can to help those who are legitimately needy in this world. In James chapter 1, verse 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Notice, that's that's a statement about an individual Christian. Keep himself unspotted from the world. And as he does that, he should also visit or provide any needed assistance to the fatherless and widows in their affliction. And so we, we do not deny that as individual Christians, we ought to help any and all that we can. And I actually think that, and not speaking for, my, for myself, we need to have a view to being more benevolent. We need to seek out those opportunities and use them as individual Christians. Right in our immediate community, there are people that that could legitimately use our assistance. And, and we, we think as individual Christians, we should do that. In Galatians 6, verse 10, this is also contextually clearly addressed to individuals. Galatians 6, verse 10. 10 says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith. So, again, as individuals, let us do more. But the church, Josh, has been given a limited role. Yeah, in Acts 11, uh, beginning at verse 28, it says, There stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So there was a need, and uh, I don't think it would be only Christians that would suffer if there was a dearth throughout all the world. It would be everybody. But the the brethren there determined to send relief to the brethren at Judea. Uh, And so... uh, they were helping out needy saints. And that's what and, you say and, in the New Testament. That's exactly right. And, and, and they did that sort of thing. Uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, on his last missionary journey, actually served as a courier to carry funds from from churches uh, back to the needy saints in uh, Jerusalem. We read about that in first in Romans chapter 15. We read about that in uh Second Corinthians chapter nine, for instance, Second Corinthians chapter eight and nine, chapter nine, verse one, as touching the ministering to the saints, uh, he says it's superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for uh, for which I boast of you to them at Macedonia, Achaia, uh, and so uh, we, we see churches involved in benevolence, but in a limited way. And their limited role of benevolence was always directed toward needy saints. Now, again, that's not to, that's not to be hard-hearted toward needy right. non-Christians. Needy non-Christians can and should be cared for by us as individuals. Needy Christians can be provided for by the resources of a local congregation to care, either to care for their own needy saints or to send to 
send elsewhere where there are needy saints. But again, that's a, it's a limited role. This this is a hotly debated subject back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, churches divided over this, and it continues to be an area of difference between churches of Christ. Some churches of Christ will use their collective funds to, to help any and all. Others, like us at College View, will use our collective funds in a limited way directed toward needy saints, but again, stressing that as individual Christians, we, we want to be as active as possible in helping others. Right. And so maybe the accusation has been, though, we don't, we don't care for those of the world. And, and as you tried to point out, that's absolutely not the case. It's just we don't see the authority to send uh, the church's funds to those who are not saints to, to care for them. But we do see authority to help out needy saints. Yeah, I, I've tried to make the argument and, it, and, and that really you can almost see the wisdom of God in this because he gave the church a limited role there because if he didn't limit the role of the church in spending its money for benevolence, it'd be easy, yeah. it'd be quickly easy to spend all the financial resources of, of every church in the world right. and not even make a dent in yeah. world poverty. But obviously the more important work that, that God thus reserved the finances for evangelism, right. spreading the gospel. Right. Uh, uh, Grant says the church is only authorized to provide for needy saints, Acts 2, 44 and 45, Acts 4, verses 32 and 34, Acts 6, verses 1 through 6, Acts 11, verses 27 through 30, 1 Timothy 5, verse 16. Uh, Kent says the local New Testament church was never given the responsibility of viewing benevolence as a social improvement program. It is not the responsibility of the local church to eliminate the poverty nor social ills of the world. I think that's right. Dwight in Iowa says this practice of helping those in the world is not the work of the church. Individually, I can help my non-Christian friend or family member. As for the church, we have strict authority that states the collection is for the needy saints, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16, verse 1. Uh, for the church to reach out and support the college efforts or orphans' homes is going above and beyond the work of the church. The work of the church is to preach the word, Mark 16, verse 15, and to edify the saints. All right. Uh, that's, that is a hot button topic to be sure. What do we got in the chat room? Got, got a question from Brian in California. Uh, he references Matthew 25. He says, I wonder in Matthew 25, when Jesus commends helping the needy and benevolent means, we make an artificial distinction when we, I don't even know what that word is. Uh, bifurcate. <laughs> bifurcate. I have not used that word. <laughs> Between individual and collective aid. In verse 40's use of brethren, a limitation is verse 40's use of brethren. A limitation on assistance for the brethren. Uh, uh, Brian, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, well, I, I don't know if I, I, I if I can respond to that knowledgeably. Uh, uh, that passage of Matthew twenty-five verse forty: The king shall answer and say to them, Verily I say to you, Inasmuch as ye have done it to one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it to me. Just off the, uh, without. Any preparation on this, but just off the top of the cuff, uh, Jesus is describing the judgment scene there. Judgment is going to be on an individual basis, right. not on a collective congregational basis. Right. I agree. And so I, I don't think that I would apply that passage in, the, in an argument to justify congregational activity. Again, it's a question of authority. And if we're going to, if the church is going to use its collective funds to support non-Christians, then there would have to be a command to do so. There, were, there would have to be an example of churches doing so. There would have to be something inferred, uh, something implied that we would infer from it that we should act. And there's just not that in the New Testament. In fact, what we see exclusively in the New Testament is that churches from their collective funds, it's specified that they we're helping needy saints exclusively. Yeah. And so, again, uh, this is this is not a matter of personal opinion or preference. You know, uh, I just prefer not to help people, right. you know, out of the church. No, it's not. A pre it's not a matter of preference. It's a matter of what's authorized. Right. We got another question in the chat room from Tracy. Uh, says so if supporting disaster relief efforts headquartered in Nashville that send truckloads of supplies to help disaster areas is wrong. Are we as Christians the one giving finances to the congregation to use for the glory of God? 
Is this not an extension of God's love and an awesome opportunity to preach to the masses? Well, I would say that that's that's reasoning from human wisdom. I mean, it's certainly it's not a question whether it's a good yeah. thing to help people who've suffered a disaster. That's not that's not the question. The question is the methodology. And 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 with all due respect to Tracy here, uh, that's a ends justifies the means kind of rationale. And and you just can't do that. So the so here a, a, a tornado wipes out Western Kentucky like it did last mm-hmm. fall, last winter. Is it a good thing to help the needy people in Western Kentucky? Absolutely, yes. But it's a false dilemma to suggest that the only way that relief is going to get there is if we use church funds to do it. You know, so the the dilemma that's being presented is either we use church funds to relieve those who suffered that disaster, or they're going to sit up there and starve to death. That's not the only two options. It's not either use church funds or let them starve. Those are not the only two alternatives. In in logic, that's what's called a false dilemma. Uh, there are plenty of good ways to help those people, and I know Christians who did. Right. financially contribute to help those people. The question is, is the church authorized from its collective funds to act in that fashion? And the answer is no. Right. Totally agree. Okay. We've got to grab our last break. When we get back, we're going to have to hurry to get to the top of the hour covering all these bases. Thanks for being with us on the Virtual Bible Study. We'll continue right after these messages. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. A survey looked at married couples that stay together versus those who divorce. Researchers found that the ones who were in happy relationships had a 5 to 1 ratio of good exchanges to bad. People who ultimately divorced had just 0.8 happy encounters for every one negative interaction. It was further observed that positive interactions don't just happen on their own. They must be consciously pursued. That information is via goodnet.org. The Word of God says in Romans 14, verse 19, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Hello, this is Preston Jackson from Valdosta, Georgia, and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're going to the top of the hour on the Virtual Bible Study, talking about differences between churches of Christ. I don't know, we're going to have to hurry here to get done, Josh. Um, the, the next thing that we put out in our update list earlier today is what about supporting organizations established by men to do certain works of evangelism, benevolence, training of preachers, and so forth? Uh, what, what we have in mind here is something like, uh, I think some of our, our listeners will be familiar with the World Bible School. World Bible School is a, is a human institution. It, it, it's, it's run as, uh, organized like a business. It has a board of directors and a chairman or president. And, and their purpose, their job is to disseminate, especially correspondence courses, uh, and, and probably even to organize preacher training sessions in various parts of the world. Now, again, understand that getting the gospel message out is a good thing. Nobody is arguing that. We're questioning the methodology there. So churches send money to World Bible School, which is a human organization. It's certainly not a biblical organization. You can't read about it in the Bible. The churches send money to that organization and then the board of directors and the overseeing chairman and president they determine how that money will be used to support preachers in the field uh, to print materials and disseminate them uh, to organize preacher training sessions and so forth is that a, a right thing to do what yeah. do you think josh no well you know greg i was thinking the whole time i work for a third-party logistics company that's my secular work and so there's a company out here. There's the work needing to be done, and we are a third party. You're the in-betweener. We're the in-between, the company and the work needing to be done, and that's exactly what this kind of setup is. There's work need to be done, and churches are using some kind of man-made institution as a in-between institution to get the work done, and that's we don't read about that in the Bible. There's The church does the work. And, and so uh, as far as 
you know, training preachers and things in Second Timothy 2 and verse 2, Paul said, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. Paul told Timothy, preacher training needs to be done by committing what you've learned to faithful men. Let them learn, and then they'll teach others also. I mean, that, the, the church is designed in order to get that work done. We don't need another institution in order to do that work for the church. You know, I think you're exactly right. There's no authority. Again, and, and this is going to go to our final observation when we wrap the program up. It all goes to the question of authority. Yeah. If, if, if that's what we ought to be doing, we ought to be able to read about it in the New Testament. Actually, and I don't know, again, I don't think that people who differ with us on this question would probably grant this point, but actually, that indicts God's plan for spreading the gospel. That, that is, it, it, and, and it's very similar to the missionary society, which was a big divisive issue over a hundred, 120, 150 years ago. The, the idea is, the, for local churches to just do their work and, and and do the evangelism that they're capable of doing, that's not good enough. We're going to improve upon God's plan, and we're going to we're going to make something like World Bible School because we think it's a better plan than what God revealed in His Word. I don't tell you, I do not want to be in that territory. Uh, real quickly, uh, and I, catch us up in the chat room here in a minute, Josh. Okay. Uh, uh, Grant in Franklin says this is polluting the organization of the church. These are works that the church is authorized to do. We are not authorized to let a human organization oversee the work that the church should be doing. Uh, Kent says, uh, the existence and financial support of human institutions in the fields of evangelism, edification, and benevolence rejects the pattern of local New Testament churches accomplishing the work that God has assigned to them. When local churches seek to accomplish their work through human arrangements, they allow and endorse such human institutions to usurp God's arrangement and displace the New Testament church. Um, Dwight says, once again, although it may sound good, the work of the church should stay within its own local body. To send out monies to an organization for any purpose is not the work of the church. Okay, so the Pullum said, uh, Paul explicitly stated that the church was not to be charged with taking care of widows who were not widows indeed, uh, those who were Christians but had no other family member to take care of them, in reference First 1 Timothy 5.16. So, so I, think, uh, I think that's my good friend Steve making that comment there. And, and his point is that the church, there's limitations. That's right. clearly a limitation right. on the benevolent work of the church, right? right? Exactly Absolutely right. right. All right. All right, we've got to go quickly. What about differences? So, so there's differences. Our whole point in our study tonight is that there are differences among churches of Christ. We would be remiss if we did not acknowledge that some of the differences between churches of Christ have to do with doctrinal issues. You know, uh, for instance, among churches of Christ, you're going to find churches that teach things on different things on on a moral issue like marriage divorce and remarriage you're going to find churches that that uh, allow women preachers we we had a big deal here in middle tennessee uh several years ago when a church up in franklin fourth avenue fourth avenue church in franklin uh brought in a woman preacher uh so you're going to find church of christ who are doing that um the use of instrumental music we're going to, we're seeing more and more Churches of Christ who are who are beginning to at least some of the time uh, use instrumental music in their worship services. Again, I think that those who are listening to the Virtual Bible Study probably recognize where we would come down on those kind of issues. But that's that's a difference. There's obviously a difference. Not every Church of Christ is the same, even on matters of doctrine. Uh, and and it's not our purpose to dive into uh, discussion of marriage, divorce, remarriage, or instrumental music, uh, or even women preachers tonight. But we're just saying that when you see the sign that says Church of Christ, do not assume that all are identical because they're not. And 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 so I think it behooves us to analyze a local congregation. If you're if you're considering uh, becoming a part of such a local congregation, you very well need to. Ask some questions about where do they stand on these yeah. kind of doctrinal issues. Yeah. Well, we talked to uh, some friends recently, Greg, and they uh, have been associated with what we would identify as liberal churches of Christ. And they asked about College View, and uh, uh, Kristen, my wife, just told them, well, 
If it's in the Bible, we're going to try to do it. We're not perfect, but if it's in the New Testament, that's what we're going to try to do. Yeah, uh, and, that, and that's yeah, and that's all that that's all you can ask for. We're just going to try to do what the Bible tells us to do. Uh, um, Grant in Franklin says, uh, "I don't believe there is a distinction between major and minor doctrinal issues. They're all doctrinal issues." I think that's right, and that, that's really not what I meant yeah. by the question. That, I was just saying that there are some big doctrines. When I right. said major doctrines, I didn't mean some doctrines are major and others are. Minor. I'm saying there are major differences. There are major right. doctrinal, there are big doctrinal differences. Uh, it all. He says it all gets back to how we establish Bible authority. Exactly right. Um, uh, Kent says the New Testament teaches that marriage involves one qualified man, one qualified woman for life. The only exception to this rule is where divorce and remarriage is authorized is when a truly innocent marriage partner divorces their spouse because of the sin of fornication. All other forms of divorce and remarriage are not authorized and therefore sinful. When, e- when either individuals or local churches fail to follow New Testament teaching regarding this issue, they become guilty of sin. The New Testament does not authorize women to preachers, nor the use of mechanical instruments of music in the singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Those who claim to be churches of Christ and engage in such unauthorized actions are in sin and have departed from the truth of God. Plainly stated, I think rightly so. Uh, Dwight uh, says, uh, just because a group of people go by the name Church of Christ on the front of the building doesn't make them a sound or conservative church. Many churches of Christ have had the view of accepting the MDR, marriage, divorce, and remarriage theory, meaning that they are okay no matter what the reason for divorce or or they may agree with using instrumental music. These churches that accept and practice these things are not practicing sound doctrine which makes them different from the church that Christ died for because they're going against the standard rule God has set forth in the Scripture. The acceptance of women preachers, for instance, is more and more prevalent, partly because people don't want to hear the hard truth that causes them to have to change. All right, real quickly, uh, we're just about out of time. Uh, one last one last point that we had, and I, I'm just going to come about the, comment about this briefly, and we probably won't be able to catch all the comments. Opposition to denominationalism. One of the differences that we're even seeing among churches of Christ is that some churches of Christ are are beginning to have open fellowship with denominational churches. And, and in fact, some churches of Christ are even beginning to accept the designation of denomina- them, they themselves being a denomination. Uh, and, and we think that is just absolutely wrong. Uh, uh, Grant says we should be opposed to denominationalism, references the one body in Ephesians 4.4. 4. Uh, Kent says the, the nature of denominationalism, denominationalism is within itself sinful, sinful, sinful. One cannot be taught wrong, baptized, right, so forth. Uh, I wish we could talk more about those comments. Uh, and Dwight agrees that denominationalism is creeping into the church. So real quickly, we're out of time. When we put out the update earlier today, Josh, I said there are labels like liberal and conservative. So what, what do you, why would we call some churches liberal and why would others be conservative? Well, I would just say that liberal churches are, are liberal or loose upon the teaching of, of the Bible. So they, they sort of uh, take a more loose view and conservatives and, and, take and, a very strict view of what the Bible teaches. And so liberals don't feel as strictly confined to Bible right. authority right. as conservatives do. Right. Conservatives are very much about give me book, chapter, and verse. Thus right. saith the Lord, show me the authority. And, the, and so we would identify those people as taking a conservative approach. Right. Whereas those that would take a liberal approach don't feel thusly confined yeah. by authority. That's, that's why those labels came about. Those are labels that men invented, but liberal and conservative, you can see why. Institutional versus non-institutional, that's more of a a narrow question. But it goes to the support of these man-made organizations that we were talking about earlier. Those who do their work, congregations of churches of Christ, who do their work through man-made institutions. So they have become to be identified as institutional because they do their work through institutions where those who don't, like us, we, we don't support human institutions. We're non-institutional. That's where that terminology comes from. And then finally, the terminology anti. Some churches are anti. The church at College View has been called an anti-church. Well, you know, I think that's a, a, a meant to be a derisive term. 
But the fact of the matter is, I think we all should be anti or against anything not authorized in the scripture. And so I will accept that designation if what you mean by that is we oppose, we're against, we're anti anything not authorized in the word of God. Yeah. So the final question we had was, what's the underlying problem in all these differences between Church of Christ? And I would just say it's the question of Bible authority and yeah. how we approach Bible authority. Right. All right. Uh, well, we had that's a, we we covered a lot of ground there tonight, Josh. But I think it's really an important question. It is, and and, and I, I think some people are confused about these sort of things. I do too. Why why are there differences between Church of Christ? Hopefully, we put a finger on what some of the differences are. Sure. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Kyle, thanks. Any final comments? Yeah, I think it's a lot. To, some people may think it's a lot to unpack tonight, but I think it's it's a needed study. I think if we set aside our own think so's and compare our, what, how we worship to what the Bible says, I think we need to come to some conclusions and hopefully they can you know make the right decisions on whether, how they worship and where they worship. So okay, good. good. Thanks for your help tonight, Kyle, getting the program on the air. Thank you all for being uh, out there listening and participating in the virtual Bible study tonight. Uh, mark your calendars for next Thursday night, Lord willing. We'll be back same time, same place next Thursday night for another episode of the virtual Bible study. Until that time, read and study your Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.